Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we get into who stood out in the Jets' preseason victory against the Oilers. Plus some GM rankings. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Game two of the preseason is in the books, and it was a dominating effort by the Winnipeg Jets against the, well, like uh, technically the Edmonton Oilers, realistically more so like the Bakersfield Condors. But the Jets cruise to a 5-1 victory at home on Wednesday night. So let's get right into it here. Who stood out? And I don't, I don't even think we can get into who failed to impress, because honestly, I, I think everybody was pretty damn good in that game. So maybe it's just more so who stood out relative to the rest. Um, But, I mean, the big story out of the game seemed to be, at least, you know, some of the youngsters having a pretty solid impact. It wasn't Shifley, Connor, Wheeler lighting up the score sheet against mostly AHL players. It was the new lug Harkins, Perfetti, and Svechnikov line that did the majority of the scoring for the Winnipeg Jets. Jansen Harkins. A pair of goals. Yevgeny Svechnikov, a nice little redirect, and then Cole Perfetti picked up an assist as well. I gotta be honest, <laughs> it was hard watching those three play in that game against the Oilers and not thinking that would be one hell of a new look, new age fourth line, wouldn't it, right? It's it's very untraditional with the youngster down the middle and Cole Perfetti, but... They look pretty damn good together, right? I mean, they were creating plays consistently every time they were out there on the ice. I mean, there was a little bit of chemistry there as well, but I also didn't see them give up a whole lot inside their own end. It was, it was pretty exciting stuff from those three. Now, also having said that, I'm probably going to have to throw some cold water on myself and the idea there. But there really is almost no realistic way that the Jets would open up the season with those three as the team's fourth line, or, you know, play them consistently into the season as the fourth line. And the main reason behind that is, you know, Riley Nash, I I think, was signed here to be the fourth line center. But, you know, even if we take that out of the consideration for a second, you know, those three go into the lineup, all of a sudden you're looking pretty short on penalty killers up front. And, And then things just get really dicey. Plus, I don't know if you want Cole Perfetti playing seven, eight minutes a night as opposed to 20 minutes a night in the AHL. So, look, 
not going to happen. I think that's fair to say. But dare to dream, you know, if, you, if you're thinking that would be a good way for the Jets to go. Either way, though, there's no doubt about this. When we talk about Cole Perfetti, Yevgeny Svechnikov, and Jansen Harkins, all three of those guys, they might play every single preseason game for the club. At the very least, they're going to get a ton of minutes moving forward still. And it's just going to be intriguing to see how the lineup plays out and who fits in where. You know, maybe the one absolute we can take out of this is Jansen Harkins might have just established himself as a lock, borderline lock in the lineup. I, I don't think he's going to supplant Christian Veselainen on the third line just yet. But at the very least, I think with his play through the first two games, we could probably pencil him in as a fourth-line wing spot. I think he's been great. Uh, I th- I didn't mind his first game either, actually. But obviously, in, in Game 2, you saw him take his game to another level. I mean, the second goal was an absolute beauty. It was a highlight real goal. And it's pretty rare for teams to have talent like that on their fourth line, right? Like, e- even if it is, say, Riley Nash as the centerman, it's Harkins-Vechnikov. I mean, Jansen Harkins... It's a pretty talented fourth liner, and so I think that still puts the Jets in a good spot, but real, real solid performance from Harkins. I thought Sveshnikov was miles better in the game two than he was in the first game. Maybe it was just him starting to get acclimated and, you know, getting his feet wet and all that, but he was definitely more noticeable. Beauty redirect, you know, coming through the slot area, you know, it's not even necessarily... When you see guys tip in goals, oh, it's great hand-eye. I mean, that plays a part in it, obviously. But the hockey sense to kind of just flow through the middle of the ice, not too close to the net so somebody picks you up, but kind of in that soft zone right in the middle there. And then just a really nifty play on the Logan Stanley shot. Beautiful move there by Svechnikov. And I thought throughout the game, you know, physical. We started to see him make a few more plays with the puck, try to get his shot off, which is... By far his most dangerous weapon. It was a pretty promising game from Evgeny Svechnikov, no doubt. And that effort made me realize, okay, that's why the Winnipeg Jets took a flyer on this guy. That's why he was a first-round pick just a few years ago from the Red Wings. Interestingly enough, Ken Holland, the GM of the Oilers watching the game, was the guy that picked him for the Red Wings a few years back. So while Jensen Harkins, in my opinion, might have cemented his spot in the lineup... Not going to go there just yet with with Yevgeny Svechnikov, but it was interesting to me too that he was killing penalties in the game. Got just over a minute of shorthand at time. That's an interesting wrinkle because generally coaches aren't going to give the shorthanded time to guys that aren't going to make the team. So for Yevgeny Svechnikov, that's a huge bonus. The chance to show that he can be valuable on special teams as opposed to just a five-on-five guy. And then Cole Perfetti had another solid game. I didn't think it was as pop-worthy as the first game that he had. But he just does all the things right. I mean, he he plays. He's a 19-year-old that plays like a 35-year-old almost, if you know what I mean. Like, he just does a lot of the little things correctly. He's always in the right spots out there on the ice. He's going to be an absolute home run pick for the Winnipeg Jets. It may not be this year, you know, but halfway through the season, next season for sure. He's going to play big, big minutes for the Jets, and it's going to be really, really soon. Interestingly enough, you know, I was actually at the game in the press box and uh, speaking with the a member of the Edmonton Oilers uh, play-by-play team, and this particular person mentioned to me that, you know, talk about is Perfetti going to play at the World Juniors? Could he return? Because he is eligible to play for Canada again. And he mentioned 
I don't think Canada has to worry about him. He's going to be playing for the Winnipeg Jets this year. So, from an outsider's perspective, sounds like maybe Cole Perfetti is going to get a shot at playing for the Jets sometime this season. We'll keep an eye on that. And hey, I've mentioned this in, in Tuesday's episode, but I think there's a very real possibility Cole Perfetti plays in the top six in game one with Mark Scheifele suspended. So at the very least, maybe we have that to hold our hats on to. And who knows, maybe if he blows the doors off, Paul Maurice won't have a choice but to find a way to keep him in the lineup. But we'll worry about that as we get a little closer to the start of the season, which is less than two weeks away. I can't wait. I'm so jacked up. Um, but that was the no doubt about it standout line. They grabbed a couple of the stars in the night as well. Um, up front with the NHLers, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Lowry, Stasny, Veselainen. They were fine. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, you know, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor looked pretty dangerous out there. And, you know, that's to be expected playing against the lineup that they did. Good goal for Connor. Um, Lowry, Stasny, Veselainen, that was the first time we got to see them together as a trio. You know, maybe that might be the one downside of the night for me. I'm, I'm still waiting to see a little more out of Christian Veselainen. Again, not that he was bad, but just every time I've watched him play, whether it's with the Moose, whether it's with the Jets, in preseason this year, you know, he's just he's just not jumping off the page enough for me. I, I'd like, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's six foot three, 220, something like that, and he can skate real well. He's got a ton of skill. But I just don't see enough of it. I, I just don't see him make plays out there. Like, to me, he could be, like, a guy like Joel Armia. But we haven't seen him get to that level just yet. Maybe as the preseason rolls along, we'll start to see more out of Chris, Christian Veselainen. But so far, I've been a little bit disappointed in his play up to date. Um, one last note I want to make with the guys up front. I think I might have to start a fan club. I think I might be the president of a fan club of one of the players that suited up last night. And to be totally honest, it was a guy I'd never heard of before, but I love me some Mikey Asamont. And I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, because if I'm going to start a fan club, I got to pronounce the player's name right. But this Mikey Asamont kid, to me, just jumped off the page every single time he was out there on the ice. He only played 10 minutes, but to me, he was just about as noticeable as the Harkins Perfetti Sveshnikov line. I mean, he's a good little player. I, I mean, his AHL numbers, he was a, a King's fifth round draft pick for those that don't know. But his AHL numbers are nothing extraordinary, right? He wasn't a high scorer at the AHL level. But, I mean, he made some really nice moves. He's pretty slick with the puck. He actually walked Evan Bouchard, the 10th uh, overall pick from the Oilers a few years back. He walked him on one of the Jets. I think it was the second goal of the night. Ultimately went to, I think it was Pagansky. Uh, but he started the whole play there. Makes a nice shot. And then the puck ultimately goes in. He was all over the place though. And he's a feisty bugger on top of it. I, I am all in on Mikey Asamon. Probably going to be with the Moose all year. I mean, let's be honest. But that's a guy I'm going to keep a tab on down there with the Moose. I, I'm excited to watch him play. And he gave a good two-handed whack to one of the Oilers. Too. I, I love him. I, I loved watching him. I'm immediately a fan. And hey, we'll see where the Mikey Isomod experience takes him this year. But I'm definitely going to be keeping track of that. Um, that's the forwards on the blue line. I mean, kind of a big debut, right? We saw Dylan Pionk in game one together as a pairing for the first time. Schmidt Morrissey was on the ice together as a pair for the first time in game two. 
And H became as advertised. I thought he looked really good out there in his first game. I mean, with all this talk about the Jets needing to add size on their blue line, needed to be a little more grittier. And that's true. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. To me, there was an element that was also missing from the Winnipeg Jets blue line for the past couple of years. Excuse me. And that, to me, was speed. I, right? Like, I don't care necessarily. We can have the whole size, speed, skill debate, that whole thing. But you definitely need a mix of both. And I just didn't see enough speed or, or game-breaking skill from the Jets blue line in the past couple of years. And, and Nate Schmidt is going to be a breath of fresh air when it comes to that. So, I mean, hey, it's good. Dylan's bringing the size, but Schmidt's bringing a little more of that puck-moving capability. He's super fast still. He moves well. And I, I thought he I thought he played pretty well off Josh Morrissey. I, I, there might have been, you know, a, a little bit of growing pains here and there early on in the game, but I, I saw flashes of chemistry at the very least. What was the most promising thing to me was that inside the offensive zone, they were playing well off each other. There was one specific instance where... You know, Nate Schmidt had the puck at the right side. Josh Morrissey makes a cut back door towards the net. You know, no stick tap, no scream, no anything. Nate Schmidt was able to find him. The puck deflected off one of the Jets, actually, that knocked it away from Morrissey, who would have been in on a great chance on one of the Oilers' netminders. But it's little things like that, that if you can have that chemistry, that awareness with your partner early on, you know, maybe maybe it's going to be a bit of a seamless transition once game one of the regular season gets underway. So little things like that, I think, to me, promising early signs that they might work together pretty well as a pairing, which is great because I think Dylan and Pionk are going to play off well each other too. Morrissey didn't have his best game, though. Now, again, I understand the concerns because Josh Morrissey hasn't had the greatest past couple of seasons, but it's his first preseason game after a long summer off. Like, I think we can just kind of chikai chikai on the Josh Morrissey concern train just yet. Would have liked to have seen him been a little sharper with the puck. But all in all, I think everything's going to be okay. Now, the other two pairings of the night. Hainala was with DeMello, actually. Intriguing because, you know, Logan Stanley was in the lineup. But paired once again for the second straight game with Jonathan Kovacevic. And I'll say this. If you told me right now that Logan Stanley and Jonathan Kovacevic was going to be this team's third pair heading into the season, I think I would have absolutely zero worries. They have been so impressive through two games so far, and I would love to hear what Paul Maurice thinks about Jonathan Kovacevic's game so far. I, I think he's been the standout performer at, at training camp. I really do. Like I know everyone's excited about Perfetti, and then Harkins and Sveshikov had their big game in, in Game 2. But while he hasn't gotten on the score sheet or anything like that, he has just been so steady. He makes smart read after smart read. He's good with the puck. He's had a couple big hits as well. I, I think Jonathan Kovacevic is an NHLer right now. I, I don't know what he maybe projects to be a few years from now, but I, I think he's a, no doubt about a third-pairing guy. Now, he's not going to supplant Dylan DeMello for the time being. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. But I am saying that, you know, this this guy is a fine. Like Kevin Chevalier found another late-round pick that is ultimately going to play in the NHL. He might even end up being this team's Ben Chirot 2.0. A, a guy that, you know, kind of just climbs up the depth chart 
and eventually forces his way into the NHL lineup. So I'm I'm real excited, and I'm not going to be surprised either if we see Jonathan Kovacevic get a few more games, especially as you know each NHL roster starts to throw out more regulars once the preseason continues to wind down here. And Logan Stanley's been really good too. You know I don't want to take anything away from him. It's just that Kovacevic, you know maybe the newcomer has been an eye opener for me. As far as Hanela DeMello. I think it was a better game for sure for Vili Hainala. Certainly better than his, his first game. He's slowly getting more comfortable out there. You know, there's all this talk before the season about what are the Jets going to do with Vili Hainala? Are they going to block him with all the acquisitions that they made on defense? I think, you know, watching him at least in these first two preseason games, again, still early. But for me, I think he needs some more seasoning in the AHL. Not a big deal. Still a young kid. But I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it just yet. I, I, There's still, I mean, his defensive zone work is is clearly, clearly lacking. It, it's just not there right now. He's great with the puck. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. He made a couple of real, real nice short passes. And once he has it with time on his stick in his own end, he's, he's going to get the puck out more often than not on somebody's tape. But I think he needs to get not only bigger, I think Billy still needs to get a step quicker and I would like to see him be a little more aggressive, even, never mind defensively, but more aggressive offensively. Try to, you know, push the pace a little bit and, and maybe take a chance or two inside the offensive zone. I just don't think Vili Hainala is one of the, the six best defensemen. You know, there was some talk, Hainala or Stanley last year. To me, Logan Stanley has 100% cemented his spot in the opening night lineup, if there was any questions out there by anyone. Um, and, I mean, hey... I think this Connor Hellebuck kid is, is probably going to make the team. He looked pretty solid last night. So no need to break down the goaltender play in that one. We'll just look ahead to game three, which is coming up this weekend. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the episode. But we're winding down our ranking series. We've gone through every member on the ice. We did the coach earlier this week. And why not cap off the rest of this week with a look at the general managers across the NHL and see where the summer of Chevy has Kevin Sheveldayoff in our list. But before we get to that, I do want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings. Week three of football is in the books. Week four of the NFL got started with an actually good Thursday nighter between the Bengals and Jaguars, if you can believe it. So why not keep that good luck going and get in on the action with DraftKings because they're giving new customers $150 instantly when you bet $1 on any football game. Now, if Sportsbook from DraftKings is not available in your state or province, remember, huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with daily fantasy contests. So make sure you check out DFS when it comes to DraftKings here in Manitoba. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, though, now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so let's get to the GM rankings list here. A little bit different, e even than the coaching one, but especially towards the players because there are so many factors that go into 
figuring out and, and trying to rank where general managers are on each list. I mean, you take a look at the GM of the Year award too, and, and that's hard enough to figure out just one season, let alone who's the best in the league at doing what they do. And the reason is just because teams are in different cycles, right? Like to me, it's really, really easy to tear down a team and, and to get into a rebuild and do a lot of the things right. It's very difficult though to get into playoff contention be a playoff team year after year and ultimately be a consistent Stanley Cup contender, right? Like, so there, there's a lot of subtlety and nuance that goes on with this, but I think we can get kind of a general sense, at least I have a general sense of where Kevin Chevalier sits across the entire NHL. Now, I'm not going to waste my time looking into the worst of the worst of the GMs. We kind of know who they are. Um, I mean, it's generally teams at the bottom of the standings, right? Um, you know, but having said that, you know, Let's give Arizona a bit of credit, I guess. You know, Bill Armstrong, the GM with the Coyotes, did a pretty good job of, you know, picking up picks, making his team much, much worse so they can get one of those high draft picks this upcoming spring. You know, like, he did a good job, but again, that's, I don't think, good enough to get you into the top tier of the GMs across the league. So again, we're not going to count down from 32 all the way into number one. I'm just going to look at, again, kind of tiers like we talked about with coaches. But for me, with Kevin Chevalier, we're not going to have to count down too many names before we ultimately get to his. But to me, I have a list of four GMs that are a cut above the rest, I, I guess we could say. I think ones that anybody outside of those markets would take to be the GM of their team, 100% no questions asked. I mean, the common pick for best GM in hockey, I think is Steve Eiserman. I mean, he pretty damn well built the entire Tampa Bay Lightning roster uh, with some tweaks from Julianne Breezeball, but Steve Eiserman set the foundation there and doing a pretty good job early on in the Red Wings rebuild. I think it's fair to say Stevie Y, if not at the top, is certainly on the short list, one, two, three, or four. I'll give Julianne Breezeball, too, a mention in the top four just because he... You know, he, he, he added the finishing pieces there, right? He basically built that entire third line, Coleman Goudreau. We'll see what his work is going to be like this season with a number of players leaving. But even then, still able to pick up Corey Perry for a million dollars. Eiserman and Breezeball were pretty easy adds into the Elite Four. Uh, Joe Sackick, the Colorado Avalanche, maybe the best team in the NHL right there with Tampa Bay. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to argue with the job that he's done with the Avs. And then we got to go Lou. For, for me, in my, in my top four, the cut above the rest, you got to put old man Lou in there. He's still got his fastball. He's still getting the job done. And, and the Islanders, you know, if not for the Tampa Bay Lightning, might have some hardware of their own. So those are the four GMs, in my opinion right now, that are at the top of their game and the best of the best in the NHL. That leaves a lot of room inside the top 10, though. And to me... Kevin Chevaldeoff is a no doubt about it top 10 general manager in hockey. I wonder how many people, I think most Jets fans would agree with that at this point, especially after the summer of Chevy, right? That sentiment might have waned the previous two seasons with a defense score that was trotted out there, albeit, you know, under, I think, explainable circumstances with the buff retirement, you know, Truba trade, my, all, all, we all know what it is. We don't have to get into that. But now, the team is looking pretty damn good. So who are the competitors, I guess, to Kevin Chevalier to be inside that top 10 and maybe grab that fifth spot overall? I think you have to look at Don Sweeney 
and the way he's built the Bruins over these past few years. I, I might put Sweeney at number five, actually, now that I think of it, just because the Bruins have been a Stanley Cup contender. You know, that might drop a bit this year, but for sure the previous five, six, seven years, the Bruins have been right at the top of the charts. So maybe you put Don Sweeney at number five. Um, but then you have Bill Zito with the job he's done there with the Panthers. Might need to see a little bit more from him, but really, really impressive start. The Panthers look to be maybe a dark horse Stanley Cup team this upcoming season. And then you have Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee in the group out there in Vegas. A, a lot of people don't like the cold-hearted, you know, win-it-all-costs mantra that they have. But the fact remains that they've got one of the best teams in the league. And I think they've done a good job of targeting high-end talent and grabbing it no matter what the cost. So those are some of the contenders in and around Kevin Chevalier. I mean, you have some other names too. Jim Nail has done a good job with the Dallas Stars. They went to the Stanley Cup Final a few years ago. I mean, obviously, Doug Armstrong with the Blues just won a Stanley Cup a couple years back, right? Like, there's, there's some other names that you can toss in there. But, you know, maybe if we put Don Sweeney at number five, to me, Kevin Chevalier is right behind him, six, seven, or eight. I, th- there's not too many other names that I would put ahead of Kevin Chevalier. And the main reason I say that is, I even to this day, I still don't know if enough people understand the difficulties that go along with trying to be a general manager in Winnipeg in the NHL, trying to deal with the difficulties of this particular market I mean it's the harsh reality of everything one of the most undesirable places to play in the NHL you're just you're never going to attract high-end free agents and you're going to have to deal with pretty consistently having players decline trades again Nate Schmidt uses no trade clause to back out of trades to Winnipeg three separate times and it took a Paul Stasny pitch job to get him to come to Winnipeg this time around but he seems pretty happy right now right like that that's always going to be no matter who is GM in Winnipeg that's always going to be in the back of your mind is is how do I convince players to whether it's sign trade whatever it is how do I convince them to come here but then retain that talent and keep them happy year after year after year and there's no doubt that Chevy has done a pretty damn good job of that right I mean the forward group Top 10 in the NHL, if if you listen to the rest of the ranking series. The Jets' defense, you know, not top 10, but at the very least, it's trying to knock on the door. It's it's avoided the bottom 10, right? But there's a number of good deals on the defense, right? Dylan DeMello, a savvy signing and trade. Neil Pionk, great trade and what looks to be a great signing. Hopefully, Morrissey comes around and starts to live up to that contract. But then you have the Schmidt and the Dylan trades. Kevin Chevalier finally addressing the need, and then being aggressive and making the move to bring in talent. The Jets are at least solid on defense heading into the year now. And then obviously, you have the best, or one of the best goaltenders on the planet in Connor Hellebuck, signed to an extremely, extremely team-friendly deal. He's just done a great job, basically everywhere other than free agency, which again, I think is out of Kevin Chevaldeoff's hands. We talked about the trades with Dylan and Schmidt. I mean, Stasny... Twice. <laughs> he, he won two Paul Stasny trades, Kevin Chevaldeoff did. The signings, the re-signings. I mean, Ehlers, Shifley, Hellebuck. I mean, those are three of the best deals in the entire NHL. And those three also kind of highlight this organization's biggest strength. 
And that's drafting. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you'd probably have to say Tampa Bay. But outside of Tampa Bay, I don't know how many teams draft better than the Winnipeg Jets have over the past 10 years. Right? It, it is. They are right there amongst the elite when it comes to drafting. And, and that's why the team has been successful over these last five, six, seven years. And it's put this organization in a, in a really, really good spot heading into a big make or break year for them. But, you know, I also wanted to touch on this from the preseason game. And it's kind of highlighted, again, what, what kind of a job Kevin Chevaldeoff has done here. But this organization has a ton of depth in it now. Depth that was missing these previous two seasons. But when you've got guys like, on defense, Kovacevic, Hanela, and when he's healthy, Dylan Sandberg, ready to go as injury replacements. That is extremely promising. Not a lot of teams have three youngsters that could step in and play and be pretty solid for you. Up front, I mean, Cole Perfetti is, I think, a no-doubt replacement for an injury in the top six. Then you have depth guys on the bottom. Svechnikov, Harkins, Tananano, David Gustafson, right? I mean, this organization is in a really good spot. We'll see if all these moves paid off, but ultimately, I think it's really, really hard to argue that Kevin Chevaldeoff hasn't done a good job and that the Jets aren't in a good position over these next two years at the very least to put themselves into contention, to grab a playoff spot, and we'll see if a deep playoff run comes out of that. But I don't know how many other GMs I, I would take over Kevin Chevaldeoff right now to run to run the Jets. I mean, elite drafting, savvy signings, pretty yeah, pretty good record in, in the trade department. There's been some losses, but I think more wins than losses. Free agency is always going to be a miss for this team. But when you draft, when you develop, and when you re-sign and retain your talent as well as he has, tough to argue with the results. Top 10 GM for me, no doubt about it. Well, that'll be it for the episode here. We'll wrap up the week. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode here of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're back at it on Tuesday, and we'll break down a pair of preseason games, actually, for the Winnipeg Jets. The rematch against the Oilers in Edmonton on Saturday, followed by a trip out on the road once again to take on the Canucks on Sunday, so a bit of a back-to-back there. We'll break down... Who stood out once again and who maybe cemented themselves a brand new roster spot. Plus, we'll continue and and maybe even technically end our ranking series in our next episode. Maybe we'll just, you know, get a little crazy and and rank the teams in the NHL. 1-32. to Find out where the Winnipeg Jets situate themselves across the entire NHL. Of course, not this Tuesday's episode, but the next one. That will be our... Season preview extravaganza where we'll make all of our season predictions, what we expect out of the Winnipeg Jets. That'll be two Tuesdays from now, but this upcoming Tuesday, at the very least, we'll break down a pair of preseason games. Once again, though, thanks for listening to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace!